what happens when you mix Netflix's loose restrictions as a film studio and R.L. Stein? The Fear Street movie trilogy. That's what. I'm Chad. And I'm Matt. And you are listening to episode 16 of our podcast. We used to talk about this at work. So Matt, um, it's been a good week, man. Um, we're coming off of a pretty good episode, I think, and I have high hopes for this one. What say you? I have no expectations for this podcast. Either it's going to be one of the best or it's going to be one of the worst. <laughs> so rude, man. We're back with two new guests and you can't be telling them that you feel like they're not going to do well this week. That's just rude, man. No, I led with it's going to be one of the bursts first. I gave him the good part first. <laughs> All right. So this week we are joined by Melissa and Michael. Um, these are two people that I found on Reddit to help us talk about this week's topic, Fear Street. They both have um, some uh, familiarity with the book series. So I want them to come on and, you know, just tell us like what the difference is and, you know, their perspective on some things. So, Melissa, why don't you tell us who you are? And then, Michael, why don't you tell us who you are? Um, hi, guys. Um, it's the first time to ever guest in a podcast. So, anyway, I'm based in Manila. I'm in the Philippines. And um, I'm a writer for work. And I'm a huge pop culture fan. So, maybe that's why I'm really into the movies and the books of Fear Street. Okay, and Michael, who are you? All right, um, I'm Michael. I am a horror movie book enthusiast, as well as a stage actor, director, and educator. Uh, currently on hiatus, though. Thank you, COVID. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I said, really big on horror movies and horror books have been since I was a kid. And that's what kind of drew me to these movies. Okay, okay. Um, so Melissa, what's, what's been going on with you? you? You mentioned that you're a writer at work. Can you tell us anything about that without getting too personal? Um, actually I used to be really into the media. Like I was mostly a magazine writer and editor, okay. but you know, since magazines have mostly folded up, I've been do doing mostly online writing work. Okay. So it's been like right now I'm doing, uh, content for, medical technology i think it's really relevant especially since it's a pandemic we're in a pandemic mm -hmm. so that's what i'm doing now and then sometimes i do articles for newspapers for magazines on the side okay mm -hmm. anything super interesting that you've been writing lately hmm. it's mostly about med, med tech but so maybe very, that's why very technical yeah, Maybe read that has become my outlet. <laughs> 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 but so, before I was into lifestyle, like even I used to review TV shows for work. Oh, that's okay. Well, yeah. well you, you both of you are two good people to be on this episode since you've got experience <laughs> reviewing things. Um, Melissa, how long have you been writing? Um, I guess you can say professionally since I was um, in high school. Okay. So that's like. I was like 16 when I first wrote an article for a teen magazine here in the, my country. And then 
ano, it's been one magazine after the other. And then I also went into newspapers as my, one of my, some of my first jobs. Okay. So that's been more than 10 years, I think. Okay, okay. Also, like, the moment I asked you that question, I was like, ooh, wait, I'm getting real close to asking her her age, and that was not my intention. <laughs> so I just, okay. want you to, I just want you to know that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you said you were in Manila? Yeah, in the Philippines. What's lockdown like there, and what, what's, what's going on with COVID? Um, actually, the Delta variant has been um, gaining ground here in my country, so we're gonna have like our much stricter lockdown starting august 6th oh wow so, yeah, i know so like uh, i'm not sure if the public transportation will be cut off like you can only go out for essentials for groceries if you have a hospital appointment like it's gonna be that strict again so how about you guys how's the situation over there <laughs> well me i'm in japan so oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right now um well, I'm in the I'm in Nagasaki, which is in like the southern part of Japan. So mm-hmm. we're doing a little bit better than what's going on in Tokyo and that stuff. So it's just like you said, the for same thing here with the numbers going up. But right now, the country's main concern is they've got to get through with these Olympics the best way possible and then address the situation after that. So I think that's what their main focus is, is get through the Olympics. Um, so I am in Missouri. And last I saw, we were the COVID hotspot of the U.S. So the, <laughs> don't shake your head, Matt. You're from here. Um, so the part Loosely. Of... <laughs> Loosely now. So the part I don't Missouri... say I'm from there now. <laughs> the part of Missouri I'm in, um, our local uh, leaders have um, put out a mask mandate. And our governor and everybody else is trying to get that taken away because we we believe in freedom and um, it should be your choice if you want to get COVID out here, you know? Are you, are you guys vaccinated? Hi, uh, Matt and I are. Yeah. Oh, okay. We can't speak. For I, am okay. I am too. I am too. I am also. Okay. <laughs> What's COVID going I should, on? Wait, I shouldn't have said yes. I should have been like, nah. Uh, we don't they gonna put a chip in me and you know how that is and I, I seen this video on youtube where this lady put had magnets sticking to her body see the man wants to do that to you i should have been like the conspiracy person <laughs> michael what's COVID like in your part of the world so i'm in washington state um so one of the first places in the U.S. that had like one of the first outbreaks. We opened up the state in late June, but now that Delta is around, um, they haven't forced the mask mandate back, but they have been encouraging that if, even if you're vaccinated to go ahead and do it. But of course we do have that same kind of, uh, a, good popula- a good size of the population is vaccinated and does wear a mask. And then we have that really crazy population that, government conspiracies and they are trying to be freedom. free michael they want yes, to be free they are <laughs> but as i pointed out to one of my coworkers, i feel like the ones that we know that are yelling the loudest were the ones who didn't wear a mask to begin with so <laughs> go figure so while you're on the horn michael um why don't you tell us what you've got going on right now okay um other than work which is not that exciting right now um, I have been brainstorming for a murder mystery party for a local coffee shop, actually. 
Uh, we just had a coffee shop open up in the area that is the, and the community I'm in, it's the first black Latino owned coffee Ooh. shop. Nice. So they're just opening up and trying to do community outreach and reach out to the community and get the support. And so I jokingly made a comment about every time I go in your shop, I keep thinking of how I can stage something here, you know, murder mystery party or something. And the owner reached out to me immediately and was like, yes, we need to do this. So, we need free advertising. Thank you for doing this. For free. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we're hoping to get together sometime soon to start brainstorming on how we're going to make it happen. But it's definitely something that I've been working on this week. And then um, I'm also been working on trying to plan for my next episode of my podcast and see how that goes. Tell us about your podcast, Michael. Sure. Um, so uh, I have a theater podcast called The Green Room, which originally started as a kind of a backstage look at how things are run in theater. It was originally catered towards teen actors, but it's kind of opened up to just the general population. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of giving an idea of the things that happen behind the scenes and giving people kind of that backstage look of all the craziness that happens and you know why certain things happen when you go to audition for a show and that kind of stuff all right so i'm gonna admit that i I was a bad host because we met on reddit and we were chatting but i never clicked on your profile to see anything that you posted and so when you added to the outline uh a couple hours ago i was like oh this dude has a podcast huh and so <laughs> right before we started recording i looked you know, I looked up your podcast. I'm like, okay, okay. Interesting topics, interesting topics. He's got a trailer. All right. Let me get a feel for what's going on here. And then it said that your the trailer for your podcast is 37 <laughs> minutes long. And I'm like, this is an episode, man. Yeah. That, that was a little bit of a goof. Yeah. Um, haven't really done like the official trailer yet. So it's been linking to one of the episodes. So it's one really extended trailer. Let me tell you, it's the full episode. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been in theater so um i've been doing theater for over 20 years i've been doing it since i was around 11 or 12 years old okay um did it as a kid mostly acting and then once i got out of high school i started focusing a little more on directing and teaching uh did a summer camp and um, the person who used to do the drama department for the summer camp eventually moved and she was like you need to take over and at that point it just my directing teaching career kind of started so uh matt what have you what's been going on man like typhoon season you over here texting me before we started talking about oh man my power might go out like what's going on man are you safe mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's typhoon season so you never know what's gonna happen um so now nah, it was storming hard and you know where i live at i'm right by the ocean yeah and the power was uh the signal was out for the TV, so I didn't know if we was going to do it. But right now it's clear. But so it's going to be like this for the next couple of weeks, couple, yeah, two, three weeks, four weeks for typhoon season. And it's just something that uh, it's got to deal with. Because last year was the first time I had to deal with the typhoon when a typhoon came. And it was like you see how they do in like Florida where mm -hmm. they like board up walls and everything. So we had to put tape on the windows for like um just in case it breaks and stuff we had to sleep in our hallway because that's how loud the wind and the rain was because you know we, that was the only place we can do that was big enough for all of us to sleep as far as uh uh with no windows or anything else like that 
So speaking of water, um, my daughter, she's a little bit over one years old now. And um, the other day I gave her a bath for the first time. Um, normally my wife and I, and, you know, I'll like hold her, you know, just make sure she doesn't like try and drown herself while, you know, my wife cleans her. But, you know, oh, I thought you was going to say that was your first time giving her a bath because you was on that Aston Kutcher type of thing. What you mean? <laughs> What's he on? Oh, uh, well, nah, him and uh, Miley Kuna said that they don't they don't give their kids baths only when they're dirty, visibly dirty. That's gross. I, I mean, you were on that, that celebrity type of stuff. I mean, technically, <laughs> that's how it works, because like almost every day she comes home from daycare, she's just covered in food because it's like she doesn't. Oh, okay, you don't use your hands to eat, huh? You use your whole face and your hair. That's that's how you eat food. What are we doing here? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it went better than I thought it would, but there were many times where she's like, okay, okay, dad. So I should put, I should dunk my whole face in this water, right? That That's what we're doing right now. I, I need to kill myself. Like what are, <laughs> stop. Like, <laughs> but yeah, that it went well. And also, um, so I was feeding her, her her dinner. And it's like every now and again, she'll do this weird thing where she kind of like stares behind me. And I'm like, and I turn, and I'm like, there's nothing there. And I'm like, it always reminds me of like a horror movie where like, okay, this child can see this creature creeping up on me, but I can't. Like, it's just like she's so fixated with something behind me. And I'm like, what are you looking at? You don't, Do you believe in ghosts and stuff? Have you ever talked about this? We haven't. I mean, I guess this is a kind of a good episode to talk about this and we can expand it to everybody. Um, I honestly would like to think that there is more out there than we can perceive. So I'm not saying I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm not saying that if there's some spooky stuff happening, I'm not going to say, oh, no, that can't be ghosts. I wouldn't be that guy in the movie. I'm all in on ghosts. Okay. All in. Um, uh, when I was here in Japan before, when I was stationed here, we had an apartment and it was just me and my other friend. And when he had duty for people don't know duty is when you have to stay on the ship, you can't go out to your home or whatever. So it was just us two. And we live in a small Japanese apartment. So it's no bigger than like, uh, a U.S. style living room, basically. So it's small, you know where things are. So I know 100% he has duty today. It's just me. So I'm in my room and I hear like a plastic bag rustling. So then I open up the door, ain't nothing there. Close the door, I hear the bag rustling. I open the door, ain't nobody there. I'm walking around, everything's good. So I go back into my room. Third time I hear the bag rustling, I'm about to just leave it be. I've seen enough horror movies. <laughs> Ain't no need for me to go check. Whatever's out there is going to be out there. So and then, you, go ahead. You didn't think you were being pranked? By who? Who else is there? You didn't have other friends? No. At this time, I knew. one. It's just me. It's, cause no, we no, have, not, not, not roommates. Friends. Friends no, no, where no, they're no, like, no, okay. 100% it, it's just me. So the next time that I had duty and my friend was there, same thing happened to him. So my girlfriend at the time, wife now, she brought one of her friends over to our apartment a couple of weeks later. First time she's ever been there. And right before she was about to walk through, she stopped and she said something about how 
bad energy, ghost type of thing. Like she felt it before she came in. Okay. So before she would come in, she poured um like salt on the um like outside of the front door area. And I guess that's supposed to help um um protect from ghosts and stuff. I mean, have you never seen an episode of Supernatural? No. Okay. Is that it's, so that's a thing? It, it, it's all there, you know, all 15 seasons. It's all there. Oh. So, but yeah, so then after that, no more bag wrestling. Okay. Uh, Michael, what's your take on ghosts? I am definitely a believer as well. I grew up in a Latino household as well as on the Mexican-Texas border. So down there, like ghosts and that kind of stuff was a, it wasn't a, does it exist? It does exist kind of thing. Um, And I did, I mean, I've had some weird things. I mean, I had a similar experience as well where um, after I moved out of Texas, I moved to California and I was living in an apartment down there and you would hear noises when you were by yourself in the apartment, like doors opening or the sliding glass door opening. And then you would go check and either a cabinet was open or you would hear the noise and then you'd go and there wouldn't be anything moved. So you would just kind of question it for a while. And there was one day where I was home alone and I kept hearing kind of the same thing, like a rustling sound from the kitchen area. And I was kind of hesitant to go in. And then finally there was just this like boom And so I went into the kitchen and the trash can was just in the middle of the kitchen turned over and there was just trash everywhere. And it was kind of one of those moments where I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'm going to nope out of here. Not going to deal with (laughs) this right now. Like obviously something's pissed off at me or it's just annoyed that I wasn't paying attention. And I'm just going to be like, okay, you got me. I'm spooked. Okay. Moving on now. (laughs) Like, nope, not dealing with this. Okay. Well, all right, Melissa, <laughs> what is your take on ghosts? Um, I haven't personally had my own ghost experience. See, this I side, think... this side of the room was like, I don't know <laughs> no, about no. all that. No, no, we're actually my country, our culture is really into it. But personally, I think it's a matter of choice. Actually, had like Spirit Quester books before. Like, there's an organized group here. They're called the Spirit Questers. They go to the, for example, there's a crime scene. They go there. They try to talk to spirits. I think they're actually legit because some of my teachers from college were part of them. So, like, they, they, they've had experiences with spirit portals, with, you know, with really communicating with um, spirits who were murdered, murdered or who were part of, like, or who were victimized during crimes. Okay. Or they tried to help some spirits move on. So I think I was reading some of their books and I think from what I gathered from there, all of us have the ability to see or feel the paranormal. It's just a matter of choice. <laughs> and for me personally, I'm not brave enough to, <laughs> right. to face that, right? So like if I have enough stress in my real life. But I have some relatives, like even when they travel around the world, they, they see things or for example, they go to funerals. Mm-hmm. Like they see this, they saw my, my grandmother when she passed away, things like oh, wow. that. <laughs> but me personally, I try not to, and I haven't had. No, you, you saying that uh, reminded me like uh, my mom's always telling me about like how she's have, she has dreams about deceased relatives that tell her like very relevant things that she should not know. So, I mean, like I said, I'm not totally against like ghosts. I just mm-hmm. haven't had any experiences to make me personally believe, but it's not out the question for me. 
True. Same with me. Thinking about the whole death thing, um, when um when I first moved to Japan, we were staying with my wife's parents. Oh, my wife is Japanese. Uh, and her parents in the room that her grandmother used to sleep in, we were staying in that room. And have you ever experienced this where like you're sleeping and you're trying to wake up, but you can't because there's something on top of your chest and you can't move? Yeah, like sleep paralysis. Yes, I was getting like, I was getting that for like every night for like a week and I couldn't explain it to where like, and the wife is next to me and she could like feel like I'm moving. And like, she had to like literally wake up, wake up because like, I'm trying to move, but it's like, and yeah. I was thinking that it was something about um, her grandmother being in this room or something like that. But like, what, what is the reason for, what's the specific reason for sleep paralysis? Cause I know if I heard different stuff, like a medical thing, this is why it happens, but I also heard like a spiritual thing where like, I forget the type of word, but it's like, there's a ghost or a woman on your chest for like, that's the reason why you can't move or something right. like that. So, but I just remember like, that was a room that her grandmother slept in and everything. And that was the only time I've ever experienced that in my life was when we slept in that room. Like I know scientifically, I think I've read that it's pretty much when you wake up like your body wakes up before your brain's fully w- woken up. Mm. And so you're still in a kind of a semi dream state. But I do know like traditionally in like spiritual terms, I think they used to call it back in the day in some cultures, the old hag syndrome. Cause it was the idea that there was, this, was yeah, that demonic spirit, like sitting on your chest, just holding you down and kind of preventing you from breathing and waking up. Mm um so now we're gonna transition to the movie portion of this week's episode and we will be talking about fear street 1994 1978 and 1666 hello these massacres happen in Shadyside over and over. You were the only person who survived. How do we end this? You have to go back to where it all started. If they want a witch. Witches! Witches! I will curse this town. Forever. It's been three centuries. It stops here. It stops with us. This series is essentially the story of Sarah Fear and the repercussions of the way in which she died. In the town of Shadyside, there is a a curse by Sarah the Witch, where every few years she will possess someone and they will go on a murder spree. In the first movie, you follow Dina, her brother and two friends as they think they have been marked for attack by Sarah. In reality, Dina's girlfriend, Sam, bled where Sarah's body was buried in the various previous maniacs are coming to kill her they find out that during a rampage back in 1978 there was one survivor they try and call her while being attacked but she doesn't answer the way they figure out how to get around the killers coming from sam is that they intentionally kill her and then revive her but sadly two of dina's friends die in the process 
all seems well until at the end of the movie, Sam seems to have become one of the people on a murderous rampage and Dina and her brother seek out C. Berman, aka Ziggy, the survivor back in 1978. She tells a story about how she was at a summer camp and she fell for who would later become the sheriff of Sunnyside and the massacre that occurred. Her sister ended up dying and they discovered where Sarah's hand was buried, which is not with her whole body. Legend says if you put her hand back with her body, the curse will be broken. At the end of the second movie, Dina returns the hand with the body. Her nose bleeds on the, um, Sarah's remains and she has a flashback to 1666. In that flashback, we learn that Sarah was a lesbian. Someone saw her kissing another woman and brings it up to the town and they ostracize her. At the same time, the crops start dying, so they blame her for it. Eventually, the priest in the town becomes the first person to go on a murderous rampage and kills 12 children before being murdered himself. Sarah gets accused of being a witch, and she discovers that the person that put a curse on the town is the descendant of the sheriff in 1994. It turns out members of his family have been choosing people to become possessed and go on murder sprees to bring good fortune to their family. In the present day, Sarah, her brother, Ziggy, and the janitor of the local mall end up killing the chef and breaking the curse. But sadly, the book that gives instructions on how to perform the ritual was taken in the end credit scene. Melissa, uh, p- please tell us your thoughts on these movies. Uh, personally, I really like them. Like, I'm obsessed right now. Um, actually had low expectations. Like, I was thinking it, was, it might be generic or it might not live up to the books because I was a huge fan of the books as a child so I was you know but now seeing all three how they're interconnected I I thought they were really great like they were they were slashers but at the same time they gave um, important messages on inclusivity even um, cheesy but there's the there's the love message there and I thought story wise like the themes from the books were present. Like there was the witchcraft, there was the possession, there was the evil spirit. It can't be an R.L. Stein book if there's no possession or if there's no evil spirit. So I think those themes are there, but I think they were reinvented it in a very clever way. I, I do have my nitpicks as a reader though, because I know it's not perfect. And there were some inconsistencies with the stories from the books. And I felt that there were there were stories from the books that could have been, you know, since they're, they're inconsistent with the movies, I wonder if they're ever going to do those stories from the books at all. Right. So that's, I guess that's my nitpick. But overall, I think in terms of story, in terms of um, even the stars they casted and the chemistry of the cast with one another, and even when it came to the final reveal, even if that broke my heart. Um, <laughs> the final I, reveal that the sheriff was a bad guy? Yeah, because, well, I was rooting for Ziggy and Nick. Yeah. <laughs> in the second movie, like, I really found Sadie and Ted. Like, I, I think they really had great chemistry together. So they were my ship. So, <laughs> <laughs> but when I found out that, you know, although I think there were some people guessing it in comments that it was the good all along. But, you know, I was, like, hoping that maybe if it was a good, like, it would be Will, his brother. But there wasn't enough character development for yeah. Will. In the second yeah, he was in, yeah, he's in, like, one scene. 
in the first movie. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. like he was <laughs> howling for most of his part. So it can't be him. So I was although I was really hoping that Nick would redeem himself to Ziggy in the third one. Right. But yeah, but overall I think they really made us a solid story and it was I think it was ambitious that it's a trilogy and they shot it in one go. But I think the the director Lee J- Janiak, she made it work. Like she really made it work. But the, um Story-wise, I was thinking there could be some plot loopholes, like when it came to the curse, what really happened, and like why did why did they put the blood on themselves instead of like putting it on the jacket or something that wouldn't make the the killers like directly go after them? I think it was in the first movie, like in the grocery. I think the first movie had the most yeah. loopholes, if ever. No, I agree with that. Like when they were in the grocery store and the um the boy that wasn't the brother, he's like, I'm just going to put this blood on my chest. I'm like, what are you <laughs> yeah. doing, dude? I know. I know. Like, I think they were smarter, of course, in the third one. Like they already knew how it worked. So at least I think Ziggy was the one who had like blood in her jacket. So she was able to throw it to the floor. So at least the killers wouldn't go after her. But she could get that blood if she needed it, just by putting on the jacket. But in the grocery, they made a lot of mistakes. And actually, I also read somewhere that they could have made Sam take the pills. They had the ambulance, right? So they could have made yeah. Sam take the pills. Well, they were inside the ambulance. Like They could have been moving inside the vehicle so the killers couldn't go after them. That makes sense. That <laughs> so makes sense. actually... Yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of people shared the same sentiment that the first one was the weakest, even character-wise. Like, I had a hard time relate, relating or maybe liking Dina at first because I thought she was toxic to Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, like, there's not, that's nothing to be sorry about. Like, I agree with you. It's like, okay, like, it's 1994. You can't, you should want to be who you are, but yeah. you can't make somebody you can't make somebody be out. You just can't. And so if she wasn't ready to like, let the world know that, you know, she liked girls. Don't push her. Don't be upset at her about that. But I mean, yeah. And Dina begrudged her for moving away, like 30 minutes away. Like it was the end of the world. And then it was, and then it was also another factor that Dina was the one who broke up with her in the first place. Right. Okay. I was going to mm-hmm. say this for my rant, but I have to jump in right here. <laughs> so that part right there was so stupid to me because they made her seem like she was a bad guy. But when she explained to her how she broke up with her, then she moved and she was like, well, I'm only 30 minutes away. And I'm like, wait, that means you didn't really want to be in this relationship that if you broke up with her and she's only 30 minutes away, why are you, doing, why are you acting like this? Because <laughs> she's a- like she moved across the country or something like that. Because she's a teenager, okay? Hormones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an angsty teenager. Right. I think they made the or they could have written Dina better for me, like so that audiences could root for her. Mm-hmm. Although I think she had character development in the last movie, but in the first one, and and it, I, I think it pissed a lot of people off that she was willing to sacrifice her brother, her friends, or right. her girlfriend. Everybody <laughs> could die <laughs> yeah, as long as I can get this girl that don't want me. <laughs> Just not Sam. So, and in the second movie, I think the Berman sisters were more endearing because it was the total opposite for Cindy. Like, she literally killed her boyfriend to save her sister. 
right. and to save her friends. <laughs> I thought that was more endearing. And even if Cindy was so uptight at first, like she she had good character development later on. And she had reason for being the way she, that she was too. Who? Um, she had because of the her well, family she, problems. Yeah, yeah, like she had family issues and she wanted to leave that town. So she's like, I feel like the best way to get out this town is just be, you know, stick to the books and like just keep my head down, stay out of trouble, and I can just get out of this town and have a better life for myself. So I, yeah. I, I understood that. Yeah. Just a smart plan instead of, you know, staying there or not doing anything about it. So do you have any other thoughts? Um, what else? I think, um, I think, well, it was a good, okay, fine. It was a good twist that it was Nick all along and his family. <laughs> fine. Even if I, it's hard not to fall for him in the second movie. It made them so likable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, I think it was a good twist, although it might have been too cleanly done in the third part. Because in the second movie, he had like some conflict within himself. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't really want to do this, blah, blah, blah. He was saying something like that to Ziggy. And then in the third movie, it was like they made him into this one-dimensional caricature, evil character that, you know, just because Z- Dina found out, it suddenly makes the 360 And I thought that was, I don't know, maybe because they had lack of time. They had to close the trilogy as cleanly as possible. And also, I re- it was, I also thought that he should have had a longer confrontation with Ziggy. Like, there was a missed opportunity there. Like, they should have had, I don't know, an exchange of words or something. Because he really betrayed her in 1978. And that was right. kind of sick of him to lie and, you know, like. Yeah, and then, like, he's been hanging around all this time. And like he left that note for her, I think in the first movie. Yeah, the first. What is happening again? But like you know, it was happening. You're causing this. <laughs> yeah, I think so people interpreted it as he was trying to reinforce his cover, and maybe in a way, maybe he was also trying to quote unquote protect her, so she wouldn't go out of her house right. at all. That makes it was happening again. But sense. in the third movie, like some people were saying, maybe it would have been more powerful if Ziggy was the one who killed Nick, not Dina. Yeah, I can't argue Although, with that. Yeah, because they were the one with the connection, mm-hmm. like the connection really. So it would be more, I don't know, more ironic, more painful if he, she was the one who stabbed him in the end. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are my thoughts for now. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what's up, man? Um, I, I kind of had the same sentiment when I first, like going into the movies, like I was a fan growing up, um, Arl Stein in general and the books. So I had been waiting. I mean, I remember being a teenager and a preteen and being like, if I could make a fear street movie, this is what it would be. And like coming up with my own ideas. So I was definitely really excited when they announced that the movies were going to be made. But at the same time, I was a little hesitant because like Melissa said, I was, kind of like going in with no expect like little expectations like just expecting the worst and I was pleasantly surprised as well I fell in love with the movies um I definitely feel that it was the nice mix of that pre-teen young adult horror series brought to life but still balancing out the horror and the gore and 
the adult situations, which I really liked. It was like a weird hybrid of preteen plus adult horror movies, which I really liked. And I, you know, I, I agree that there was a lot of dumb elements or like plot holes in the movie, but part of me kind of liked it because it was that preteen logic. Like sometimes in some of Arlstein's books, people would do the dumbest things or <laughs> wouldn't realize what was right in front of their eyes. And it was like, how are you so dumb? But at the same time, it's like, oh, you're 14. Okay, I'll, I'll forgive you for being so dumb. Because <laughs> I remember being 14 and some of the things I believed or did were kind of, you know, questionable. <laughs> Um, so I definitely liked that they were able to capture that kind of goofiness of the books where, you know, of course it's witchcraft, of course, you know, it's this, and I really enjoyed that. And, um, kind of going on the conversation of, um, Sam and Dina, cause I think that's a really, I think that's one of those things that I've noticed a lot of fans and non-fans of the movies have talked about is kind of their relationship and how toxic they were in the start. And I agree and I disagree when it comes to that. Because um, I definitely feel like they had the disadvantage with, with them because when we first meet Sam and Dina, it's like the worst possible time in a relationship to meet them. It's the end of the relationship. Right, so, right. you know, there is that hostility. There's the resentment. And sometimes during a breakup, you say things that you don't really mean but you're so angry you say it anyways, kind of like her whole, you know, I hope you die, you know, all those kinds of like, mm -hmm. here's your stuff, go away. You move 30 minutes away, how dare you? But at the same time, <laughs> I, I kind of forgave it because I'm like, I remember being that young. Yeah. And I mean, like I, I'm 34 years old and I still act that way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 38 <laughs> and I still do the same. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, like I kind of understood why people hated them because it was like the worst possible time to meet them. And I also feel like I talked to a lot of people on Reddit who pretty much said that, you know, they didn't really start to care for them until the third movie. And it sure. was as a it was as, as a result of the whole Sarah Hannah plot line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting because I feel like even though I I'll go into this. I kind of identified with Sam and Dina, despite their toxic behavior. I agreed that I didn't really care about them until the end. And, and I think it was an interesting, from a directing standpoint, since I do directing as well, that I thought it was a very interesting decision to have the same actors who played Sam and Dina play Sarah and Hannah. And I feel like part of the reason was they did want to make us care for them eventually. And they used that relationship to kind of make us care about Sam and Dina by using the same actors. Cause I love with uh, Sarah and Hannah, we meet them at the best possible point falling in love. And so we see them kind of form this relationship that we know is doomed from the start. Cause we know things are not going to go well. We know something's going to happen to Sarah we know she's eventually going to be hung. And so we know it's not going to end well. So I felt like by using the same actors, when that relationship doesn't happen, now we're rooting for Sam and Dina because now we're like, okay, Sarah and Hannah weren't able to have their happy ending. They weren't able to kiss in daylight. They weren't able to do all these things. They could possibly do it. So now we have to root for them. Now we want them to win and defeat the evil because they're going to be the happy ending to the love story that couldn't have a happy ending. Right. So I thought that was a, I feel like it was a conscious decision, 
but at the same time it was still as a someone watching the movie it was kind of like oh man like they are kind of toxic at the start like how am i gonna root for them like that's a good point that you made because at when i started now i have no reference of the books or anything so i just went in cold and i watched it and like and i was wondering why they put the same actors in for that time but now what you just said okay that does make sense it's just like everybody says didn't really care for the relationship but now since you have them fighting for it then they actually get the relationship no exactly what you said that makes complete sense to me now is why they did it yeah you're right so i i never thought about that either michael like i do like that aspect of it but um i was saving this for my part but i feel like they wasted every other actor that they had come back from the first two parts to play in 1666 yeah i definitely agree like i feel like it was an artistic decision to kind of like Oh, see how, and I know uh, the director didn't mention it in the one interview I saw where she talked about uh, echoes, where it was this idea that certain moments we would see in all three films, something like echoing from 1666. So we see the, you know, a different character in the same position or, you know, the same actor playing, you know, an ancestor or something. I thought it was interesting, but I agree. I feel like it was kind of just like this conceit, like we're going to use this concept, but I do feel like they were kind of, wasted as well in a sense because they didn't do they didn't have enough time with 1666 to really develop the idea because it mm-hmm. i feel like we started it we got the story and then it was like boom 1994 part two and it's like oh <laughs> but you it's called 1666 <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean it was interesting but i do feel like it came with its you know it had its pros but it also had its cons mm-hmm. yeah. And I will definitely, like, going back to, like, the toxic Sam and Dina stuff, um, I was talking to somebody else in one of the Reddit threads who we were talking about how we were still able to identify with Dina and with Cindy, especially in in, um, 78, because I know a lot of people really love Ziggy, and I agree. Like, I love Ziggy. She was a badass. Like, I would have had the massive crush on her when I was like a kid because I was like, yeah, yeah, she's so fiery and stick <laughs> the finger to the man. Um, yeah, like she's just so good. And yeah. But I was able to identify with Cindy more and I was trying to figure out like, why do I identify with these characters? And one of the uh, people that I was talking with in the thread was talking about how like they identified with Cindy because they grew up in this small, hmm. like socially, sexually repressed town. And they identify with this person who was like doing everything they possibly could to get out, to get away from this black hole and how like they understood the idea of like dressing up beyond your wealth level and trying to play this part because you were trying to be something else. And so she understood the struggle of like doing everything and kind of just being a butt about, you know, wanting to escape and not, you know, everyone's telling you, you're never going to escape. This is, you know, this town's a black hole, you know, we're all cursed and, you know, she just won't accept it. And I, I was like, you know what? I think I identify because I was that person too. I grew up in, you know, we were a small city, but for all intents and purposes, it was small town mentality. There was a Catholic church on every street corner instead of a Starbucks. So um, (laughs) it was very like socially repressed and sexually repressed. And, you know, there it was shady side in a way where very few would escape and a lot of the ones who did escape would eventually get sucked back in so I was like oh my goodness I'm Cindy like I get this 
drive to just get out and kind of mistreat everyone around you because you're just like, I got to get out. I have to get out. And it's not that you really are this rude person. It's just, you're so like fighting the struggle of trying to be something you're not or get away from this area so you could be who you really are. And at the same time, like with Dina, I can kind of identify because I do identify as gay and I did grow up in a place I was very like sexually repressed. And I understood that struggle of like, you find someone who you think is going to be your escape from shady side. And then she moves. And even though like, I agree, like it's 1994, you know, you should feel free to be who you are. But at the same time, there's people who are not comfortable with their sexuality and being open about it. And so I totally understood Sam's like, you know, I, we moved, you know, what can I do about this? And her, you know, dating a guy. But at the same time, I understood Dina's like feelings because I could see being 14 or 15 and being like, she betrayed me. Not only did she move and, you know, we're not together anymore because I dumped her first of all. Um, <laughs> but she, how dare she, she moved that's why I dumped her. And then she did the ultimate betrayal. She's dating a man. Like, how dare you? And while like, as an adult, I look back and I'm like, girl, you are toxic. You need to wake up, grow up as a 14 year old. I'm you know, thinking as a 14 year old, I'm like, I get it. I get it. Like you, you're not mature enough and you think it's all about you, but it's not like, it's, you know, you can't hold this against Sam for escaping. Like her family moved. They're starting a new life it's not her fault. Don't hate on her. You know, you, you know, just keep doing, like you said, keep doing what you're doing, you know, stay out of trouble. And eventually you're going to get out too. But I understood the idea that at that time, she's like, no, I can't, I can't, I hate the world. I'm going to go listen to, you know, the pixies and, (laughs) um, you know, Um, the cranberries and cry in my bedroom. (laughs) The greatest hits of the 1990s. Yeah. (laughs) Some Celine Dion. Like, (laughs) I get it. I get it. Uh, But I did also want to touch on the whole Nick thing, because I thought the same thing. Like, I had, like, I really liked young Nick Good in 78. And then, you know, we get to 1666, and suddenly he's like, I'm the evil one. (laughs) And like I kind of like that you know he is just kind of evil but I also did like that there were those moments of humanity and the second one um where you do want you do want them to have a happy ending and you just don't get it and you know like one thing I'll say like part of me wonders if that was also a conscious decision where you know, we meet Nick in 78, but we're meeting Nick through Ziggy's point of view. Where, oh. You know, we're, he, we're seeing what she believes about Nick, you know, right. and it's what she perfect, wanted to see. What oh, she he, wanted to see. He, he reads, he reads so, like, Stephen oh. King. And, yeah, yeah, like he's so oh. nice. He's so he's nice. So, and he he's was, cute. He was the knight in shining armor to her. Exactly. Exactly. And then exactly. we see him in 1666 and suddenly it's like, oh, he's not a good guy he's not good as evil um or, but it makes you yeah it makes you kind of rethink everything you saw in 78 and like there were certain things that i questioned too like well why did he leave uh, ziggy adult ziggy the note like it's happening again like you said like you're the one doing this like of course it's happening again but why are you warning her and part of me wonders um and this is what kind of makes him such an like a good villain if it was him kind of gaslighting her yeah. because oh. um like part of me wonders like 
you know, we, we meet them in 78 and we think they're going to have this great friendship, but Ziggy makes it clear at the end of 78 that she wasn't able to see him since that night. And it's like, oh, well, you would think they would keep in touch or something, but she talks about how, like, because he had his destiny to fulfill and he was going to become sheriff and, you know, he didn't say, like, this is what happened. It was the witch. You know, he didn't cover for her or anything. I was like, well, maybe that's the reason why they fell apart. But then part of me wonders if, like, we see Ziggy as an adult and she has all these clocks and she's paranoid and you just give this illusion of, like, she's really messed up since 78 and it's like well why hasn't he reached out to her like even if she's like i can't see you anymore has he made an effort to reach out and it made me question if maybe like his it's happening again wasn't to be like i'm warning you but i want to mess with your head even more because you're the only one who has come close to reuniting sarah's hand and her body and you could have put her into this curse and now it's happening again like I'm, I don't know if someone's going to, you know, come to you or you're going to be like, this is my chance to, you know, end the curse because of my sister. I'm going to do what we couldn't do in 78. Right. And so if maybe if his whole note was to be like, I'm going to give her this note that it's happening again and hopefully it's going to mess with her mm-hmm. and she's going to stay inside and just stay away because, you know, these these meddling kids are, you know, it's gone beyond like he did his murder thing some shady siders died, but now these kids are involved and they won't stop. Like they're trying to put an end to this. And so he's probably thinking, Oh crap. You know, they came so close in 78. This can't happen again. Let me mess with Ziggy's mind. Um, Which I think kind of makes him like he's human, but kind of evil. Okay. So um, this is editing Chad and Matt here. How does it feel to be editing that? I don't like it. (laughs) so we realized that um we gave you guys way too much episode and it's too good to actually cut just a little spoilers we get into like uh racism and um keeping women down it is a very illuminating conversation siblings murdering each other it's all in there it it took a hard pivot But as a result, um, you guys don't get to hear that right now. Uh, We're going to actually put this up in as a part two. So this is episode 16. So this, as you saw, this is listed as episode 16A. And in a couple of days, episode 16B will be up. Listen to both. Yes, they're one piece. Just like the Fair Street movies, you can't just, you know, you know, mix mix and match. It's all one thing. We we doing this for y'all. It will be a lot easier if we would have just put this out, been done. But we know y'all have short attention spans. <laughs> we put in the work. Y'all put in the work and listen to both episodes. It, you, you won't regret it. Michael, uh, why don't you plug your podcast real quick? Sure. Um, so my podcast is called The Green Room Chats. Um, you can find it at anchor.fm forward slash The Green Room Chat. And it's all about theater. Um, give it a listen, but obviously don't listen to the trailer because it's too long. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a link of, for that in the show notes. And uh, Melissa, did you have anything you want to promote? And it's uh, okay if you don't. Not at this moment. <laughs> Thanks, though. All right. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, like, and review our podcast on your platform of choice. If you have any feedback, please email us at weusetotalkpod at gmail.com. 
like our Facebook page. We used to talk about this at work and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at we used to talk pod. And away the news goes. <laughs>